The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here on The Blaze Live on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Daughters and Aaron McIntyre here with us as well. Coming up a little bit later on in this hour, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review, will be here to take us inside politics. Next hour, we're going to play our favorite game called Buy, Sell, or Hold, where you, the audience, will pick the topics because Aaron's too lazy to do this work himself, so he passes it on to you. And Todd and I will hopefully have a hot take or two. Today's show, though, we got to let you know right from the very get-go, just like breakfast is the most important meal of the day, being able to separate real from fake news when it comes to your health and nutrition is as well. And that's why you want to take a look at that you know, supplemental facts panel on your food supplement, and you want something that's made with real food and not extracts. With the goal of creating a real superfood specially designed to enhance your health and help you reach your full potential, a team of top physicians gathered to form Brickhouse Nutrition, and they want to introduce you to Field of Greens. It's the first real superfood and the difference that sets it apart from the others, right there on the bottle. It doesn't say supplemental facts. It says nutrition facts because it's made with real food. And one scoop of Field of Greens is a full serving of real certified vegan, vegetarian, and USDA organic fruits and vegetables, complete with those antioxidants you're looking for as cold and flu season looms. This is a daily green, clean energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle and for a limited time offer, visit BrickHouseSteve.com. Use promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com to get 15% off of your first order. Again, BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve today and experience a better you tomorrow. And now it is time for what's happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by No Again. Yesterday, a bomb squad was called in near George Soros' home to remove a suspicious package believed to be explosive. This morning, the Secret Service intercepted potentially dangerous packages being delivered to the Obamas and the Clintons' residences. Two law enforcement officials spoke to the Washington Post anonymously and say they believe all three incidents are connected. Here's what Fox News is reporting on the ongoing invasion of the United States. So right now we're being told that about a thousand people have applied for asylum here in Mexico, but about 80% of the people here are men under age 35. They're going to have to try to cross illegally, which of course is why the president says he might call up the military. Yeah, that seems legit. Republicans will totally protect people with pre-existing conditions. Democrats will not vote Republican. Minnesota State Representative Elon Omar is running for the U.S. House of Representatives for Minnesota. She was accused of marrying her brother back in 2016. The allegations first arose then, and now she's poised, actually, to become the first Somali-American to be elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. She still refuses to answer specific questions about the allegations, and she hasn't provided any documents to prove otherwise. The story is back in the spotlight after official school records were released supporting those claims 
that she did indeed marry her brother. Dear white people who are upset that you can't dress up as another race or culture for Halloween, your feelings don't matter. The only feelings that matter are those who feel disrespected, mocked, by you appropriating their culture for their entertainment. Show some common decency. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. All right, a lot to get to there in Aaron's rundown. Let, let's start with the story that is uh, breaking as we speak. And if you're new to our show, um, we need to let you know how we handle these stories, which is frustrating to some, but it allows me to look in the mirror. And frankly, that's more important to me than your frustration level. Uh, we are just never in a hurry to be wrong on these stories. And I, you know, I did a nighttime show on the Salem radio network for years where we'd have breaking news stories. And I remember the Colorado, the Aurora, Colorado shooter and ABC news went out with the story that it was a Hispanic tea partier and they had the entirely wrong person identified. I, I remember, um, was it the Sandy hook shooter and Fox news had the wrong Facebook profile. Was that the one I'm thinking of? where they identified the wrong guy on Facebook um, as, as I think that's happened several times. This is, I, we could just do these from this happens all of the time. And so I'm not going to sit here and pontificate on, on one hand, you guys want me to hammer news media more as untrustworthy. Okay. Well then don't sit here and demand that I sit here and, and don't have an instant hot take on news gathered by the same media. You're telling me all the time is untrustworthy. Right? So how about we sit around and wait until we know more facts before we have hot takes so we don't have to be idiots deleting tweets we'll regret for the rest of our careers that someone will then screen capture and use against us for the rest of our lives, which I've seen already on Twitter already because I know, and I know why people do this. They do this because there's a market of you that want this. There's a market of you that want immediately to blame these things as double secret setups by George Soros sending bombs to himself or the other side that just is sitting around because they've been you know, pummeled with the mob with their mantras for the last few weeks and they're eager to say, see, you guys are just as bad as us. I, 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 don't, I, I don't care. I'm like Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. I don't care. I, 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 don't, I don't care about your excuses. I don't care about your tribalism. And our show position is we're not in a hurry to be wrong when there are clear and, uh, you know, confirmed facts that we then we will by then uh, when that happens, we will give you, uh, you know, a no holds barred Katie by the Katie bar the door analysis. And until then, guys, I just don't know what else there is to say other than this is the behavior of a banana republic, no matter who did it, what the motivations are, similar to what happened on that ball field last year with the attempted mass assassination of those Republican congressmen, similar to, you know, uh, the, the chanters and the people tearing down Ted Cruz yard signs while they scream and yell in the camera, Re regardless of who is doing it, where it's coming from, um, uh, this is the stuff of a very, very broken culture. And I thought something that Matt Walsh said earlier today from uh, the Daily Wire, you know, calls for unity are pretty empty. Tell me what we would unify behind. What would that be? Do you guys know what it would be? I, I mean, got nothing. I mean, we're, 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 we're before the unfortunate news of these bombs surfaced. You know what the big story was today? The big story was mainstream media people going out there saying there's no evidence that the caravan has any criminals while in, an embedded Fox reporter is doing interviews with the guys at the caravan 
who are saying, yeah, we think there's criminals in here. I mean, that was, that, that was the news today. Yeah. Without the news today, before the, the, the bomb story broke, right? It, it was. So in an era where we can't even agree it's a bad idea to let people into the country when, when it's regardless of whatever their sob story is, when they have potentially been infiltrated by near to well, uh, you know, and the less evolved and unenlightened uh, evildoers, if we can't even agree on that, then tell me what it is that we would unify behind. And, and that's why we talk a lot about revival on this show. That's why we urge you to pray for our country and our leaders. This stuff's only going to get worse. We're, we're creating an environment where unless those things happen, you're going to have more, we're going to create more John Browns, guys. That's what we're going to create. We're going to create several of them. Because what's going to happen is in, on each side, you're going to see this. When each side believes that their fates are existentially determined by the defeat of the other, and they don't think the people representing them are going far enough to defeat the other, John Brown, Todd, history just teaches us John Brown will just take matters into his own hands. And we'll see more of this. The only thing I would uh, correct you on, and it's I, I, I know in my head I fall into the same use of the language. You, you just said we are going to see this. We, we, we are, are seeing. It. I mean, yeah. it is. I, that's what we are having a hard time catching up with the fact that it, the revolution is happening in many respects. We have become untethered uh, from reality. When you have no idea what a uh, gender is, when uh, you have uh, uh, blood spilling uh, like it does um, in uh, Planned Parenthood in a Gosnell movie that tried to show you what's going on and it was simply taken out of the theaters uh, after a week because, yeah, whatever, uh, despite making uh, good money. We are untethered from reality. We are becoming unmoored from anything that can and will sustain a culture. This the, the, the horse has left the barn on that front. If, if we are going to be the country we were designed to be once again, we have to recover it. This is now a recovery mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's, it, we're not trying to hold the ground anymore. We have lost it, and we have to try to get it back desperately if our kids have any shot at all now i have no way of knowing if the fox news report today that aaron mentioned i don't how would we how would we possibly confirm on this show that it's true how would we go about that's why i said fox news we we can't we we can't all right and and i don't you know i'm not cynical i just don't trust anybody all right but let's say that let's say that the fox news estimate of the age of the males in the caravan, it's not 80%. Let's say they're half off and it's 40%. That's still an extraordinarily high number. There is simply no reason why able-bodied young men. This is what we saw with the whole refugee argument a few years ago. And these ended up being, as Michelle Malkin at Conservative Review here, described them as rape refugees. And, and we saw, you know, mass rapes in, in Germany and other countries that just blindly took these sob stories in. You know, there's a reason, again, but this was when we had things we unified behind as a culture. There's a reason why that scene in Titanic when Billy Zane's character tries to hijack the uh, lifeboat from the women and children. There, that was 20 years ago that that movie was out now, and he's the villain. Would he be the villain today? Now he'd be like, well, I kind of identify uh, as transitioning and to each, each his own, got to get the hell out of here. I'm not going to just sit here and die. There's, there's no point in chivalry when there aren't anything, when there aren't any, when there aren't any absolutes. What am I, what am I, what am I granting you? 
What am I giving up for you? On, on what basis would I defer to you when there's nothing absolute or transcendent to hold me accountable or for me to even aspire to, for that matter? You'd Why be, would I do that? You'd be insulting them by identifying them yes. a, a, as women and therefore the hurting them into the boat. Yes. That, th- so in previous eras, it wouldn't have mattered what the letter after their name was. A, a marauding caravan of, of foreigners that had 80% of them or 40 or 50, whatever the actual number is, under the age of 35, would we, we would call that I and V, spell it out, we'd call it an invasion. And we would treat it as a military act. That's what we would do. But, you know, again, we don't have any of those things to unify behind right now. And so, therefore, one group looks at uh, victims and another group looks at, um, uh, looks at it the way we used to look at it because we're two Americas. There's the left America and then there's what's left of. America and stories like what you're imagine if this marauding caravan were Russian nationals with with uh, uh, dark web capability and roving roaming and Wi-Fi on roaming. Well, how much different do you think the news coverage of that would be? Do you think think it might be a little bit different? I'm certain. I, I'm it. thinking I think we might find something to unify there probably behind uh, the whole thing on Trump and pre-existing conditions that I don't know how else to put it to you guys. That's just a lie. I, I, can, is there another description? To what Trump put in that tweet about Democrats won't protect. Democrats want to create new pre-existing conditions, for goodness sakes. Democrats want you to, ha- you to be a pre-existing condition in Medicare for all. It's just it's what he was promising the other day. I'm going to give you a middle-class tax cut before the election and Congress isn't even in session. Okay? I don't know what else to put. I, I, I would, is there a word you would prefer me to use because he's got the R after his name so it doesn't hurt your feelings as much? But again, I like things kind of cut and dried. You know, and so to me, a marauding caravan of of able-bodied men who ought to be back in their homesteads, feeding their families, come into my country, forcing their way in. I kind of just look at that, remove all the BS and just call that what it is, an invasion. So that tweet from Trump and the one the other day promising you a middle class tax cut before the election when there's not even Congress in session. Is there a word you guys would prefer me to use other than lie? Todd, is there a better word that might help our right-leaning audience to not get their feelings hurt that we should no, use No, I like instead. that word. I'd like you to use it even more often. It's just, Salt we, and pepper. Do we agree that's just he, a lie? He fights, Steve. He fights. It's just a lie, guys. I don't know what else to tell you. It's just a lie. That's... I, I mean, but here, here's, what, here's the thing. He's lying about trying to get to the left of the Democrats. How do you like them, Apples? You like that? He's lying about trying to get to the left of the Democrats. He's lying about saying we will grow government and we will take over more of the healthcare system than they will. Isn't that essentially what he's claiming? Well, that means he's been learning from Mitch McConnell and company, hasn't he? And instead, of, instead of he fights, he's actually been what sitting at the feet of the master. You got you guys. You guys can't become socialists. We will do it for you. You can't fire <laughs> us. We quit. Right? I mean that. that but it's just a lie, you know. And it, it's a lie when Obama when Obama says if you can keep your you, if you like your health care you can keep it that's a lie and when Trump says um, they're going to do more to cover pre existing conditions when the Democrats have been trying to make every person born a pre condition pre existing condition since about 1965 that's a lie there's just not a, not another way to spin it that's a lie um, by what standard the Minnesota representative that Aaron put in her in his uh, montage by let's say she did marry her brother by what standard would we say that's wrong anybody 
Moving on. Um, the Kirsten Power, because I don't know what standard we'd use to... I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't know what standard we would say marrying her love brother was love. wrong. Love yeah. is love. Same guys. love. Yes. Yeah. Same love. Yeah. Love wins. Again and again. Um, the Kirsten Power tweet. Somebody needs to check on her. I'm, I'm troubled. Five years ago... Uh, in the last 10 years, Kirsten Power has gone through a faith conversion, and I only know because she's written and talked exclusively yeah. or extensively about it. Uh, five years ago, she wrote the number one most read column in the year 2013 at USA Today. And the only reason I know she wrote the number one most read column is because I wrote number two. And so when they told me at USA Today, I had the second most read column of the year. I'm a dude, I got a penis. So what do you think my next question was? Who was first? Yeah, I had to know. <laughs> I got to know. I had to know. I'm a competitor. I got to know. I mean, I got to know. The number two column I wrote was defending Phil Robertson and Duck Dynasty against uh, attacks when he basically reiterated the birds and the bees that uh, dudes like chicks, right? Okay. And uh, they tried to get the show canceled. And I wrote a column. Uh, and that happened right around Christmas of that year. And I wrote a column for USA to defending him. The thing went viral. And in a few weeks, it became the number two most read and shared on social media column of the year at USA Today. Uh, a few months before that, back in April of 2013, Kirsten Powers, though, had written the column that was way ahead and number one. And that column, you mentioned the Gosnell movie gone from theaters after a week. Well, that column she wrote for USA Today that became its most read piece of 2013 was Kirsten Power calling out her mainstream media friends for ignoring the, Ker the Kermit Gosnell story. And it was number one. I, I, I mean, her column was number one and mine was space bar, space bar, space bar. And I know I'm tempted to say, well, of course she was number one because she wrote hers in April and I wrote, I wasn't, we prorated this out. I wasn't catching up. Um, I don't know what's happened to her since then. And she's not a conservative. I'm not talking about her politics. You had the right statement. I know you were kind of being snarky when you said it. Somebody check on her. I'm talking about a sanity level. A, a lucidity. That's well, what I'm talking about is lucidity. I'm not talking about her ideology. She's always, she worked in the Clinton administration. She's always been more liberal politically. She's always been in favor of, uh, and she's actually used her faith conversion to, to justify um, big government on moral and what she big uses. Government. She's yep. still gay marriage. She yep. became she became pro life and, and yep. God bless her for that. But I thought that I was talking to Aaron before. I thought the most unique uh, thing that uh, somebody did to counter her ridiculous tweet is they actually did a replied to her with a screen capture of the book that she wrote, Steve. It was called The Silencing. Uh, she came out actually against her own tribe and said, you guys, we need to have a better conversation. We just can't call e each other hateful bigots. Mm -hmm. This is what she's doing right here. Mm -hmm. Because my daughter puts on a Moana costume, th this is cultural approbation. Yeah, I don't, I don't. So my, my, if my son were to tell me that, you know, he wanted to be Spider-Man for Halloween this year. Noah did. And we've got pictures, a picture of his uh, costume on Facebook, uh, and mainly because he's all obsessed right now with the new Spider-Man PS4 game, which is worthy of his obsession. I'm going to admit that game is insane. All right, and and so you know, Amy went on Amazon.com and tried to get him the most authentic Spider-Man costume he could get, and it and actually when he it looks body forming. You saw the, the original picture. I told you, picture. initially I thought yeah. it was a picture you posted of like the box yes. that came in. And then I saw behind yeah. it looked like a house. I said, that's 
Steve's house. That must be right. Noah. So if if Noah comes to me and decides, you know, I kind of like the Miles Morales Superman because he's younger. He's the new hip Superman for my generation. Kind of like the John Stewart Green Lantern was, you know, when a few about 20 years ago when he was created. Um, if Noah comes to me and says, I'm the Miles Morales Spider-Man. Uh, if I told him he couldn't, uh, he couldn't declare himself that for Halloween because Miles Morales is black. What do you think Noah would think of his old man? I think he's probably think his old man's a racist, right? Could be. Isn't that essentially what Kirsten Powers arguing for? Is it, so if, if Noah decides next year he wants to be John Stewart Green Lantern, I, yeah, well, he's black. You can't be him. If he wants to be Falcon, if he wants to be Black Panther, which actually ended up being the number one superhero movie of the year, it, had, it, it grossed even more domestically than Avengers Infinity War did. And he decides he wants to be Black Panther. He, uh, well, you're, uh, you can't do that because you're black, because he's black. Would that, wouldn't he think his old man's a racist for telling him that? Yeah, based on, based on someone's skin color. You cannot do this or that. That that's basically that. Isn't that the definition of racism? Yes. Yes. And I wonder sometimes, Kristen Powers, lest we we people think we're picking on her. There, we've seen since 2016 people who might otherwise be we might call them moderate. We might call them you know not not um, deep seated conservatives, but they're definitely right of center. Center. They're they're definitely not leftists. I've seen something, and I've observed this. Bill Crystal. I mean, he's always been kind of squishy, but others like like that who have just gone completely the other direction because of Trump, because of well, I don't want to be associated with anything having to do with Trump or his base or whatever. I don't, I don't know if that's what's happened to Kirsten Powers, but it seems like that might be the most logical conclusion. I don't want to be associated with anything having to do. With that guy, instead of just taking things on a on a case by case basis, I'm not saying that, that that's what happened, but it would kind of make sense because I don't understand how you can go from writing a book called The Silencing is that the name of the book? I believe Todd, so, yeah. To now doing the very know. same thing well, that you 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 accuse the left of I, doing this, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I actually, I I know how. I, this I alluded to it yesterday. We don't need to get into the specifics, but uh, you know that that just bizarre story where comedian and leftist uh, Sarah Silverman and what she admitted about uh, allowing Louis C.K. to uh, pleasure himself in front of her despite being involved in Me Too. I don't reject that as some weird niche story. That that is basically the cultural dialogue writ large, right there. Everybody is just watching. A, 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 a civic discussion that is basically the equivalent of that. That's how you end up in this level of madness. We're not serious about almost anything. Steve alluded to it before with Donald Trump. Just it, it it's so preposterous that he says something like that, but he does and he gets away and it happens on the left. That's where we live right now. It's not necessarily unique in human history, but it's turned up to 11 right now. And that's how you end up in this place where a woman like that, who's not dumb, who's shown uh, parts of her life are actually getting more serious within the last five years. Who's been willing to buck prevailing yes, winds and still, tribalism in the past. The cancer is so virulent right now, Steve. I if, if you allow, we just talked about the fact just five minutes ago that, what, what, that Trump has literally just lied twice in the last four or five days about the, on, on the campaign trail, just, just lied. And in the midst of him just lying, 
he, he, his administration has also pointed out that everybody's either male or female. And so here's Kirsten Power, who has shown a level of, as, as, as you put it, uh, maturity, gravitas, eloquence, uh, a, a critical thinking strain, a willingness to um, see things as she thinks they really are, more, even when it goes against a tribalistic instinct, right? And she's out there tweeting the kind of stuff you would expect uh, some tenured professor at Cal Berkeley who has not had to get a job in the private sector or has had to leave hate the corner of hate and Ashbury in 20 years. Just, just crazy. That doesn't hold up to any... I actually, I was originally going to respond to her with, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, that the Christian notion that we transcend these human distinctions. God is not a respecter of persons, all right? That Jesus died for all. And we as Christians call people to leave behind their racism or their political correctness as we would define their humanistic tribalism in this day and age, all right? And, and instead, walk, in, walk into the shoes of, of an individual created in the image of a loving God who wants a relationship with you. I thought about, that was my original response to her. And then I thought, frankly, I think that's, that's giving this tweet too much credit. And that's why I just responded to her what I said to you guys a minute ago. If my son wants to be John Stewart Greenland and Black Panther, because if she were capable of, of, of seeing the level of depth of the answer that I was originally going to reply, I don't think she even posts something that dumb, inane, and anybody can argue against in three seconds in the first place. She's broken. And, what's, and, that's, and it's not Trump's fault. It's hers. It's hers. She has a, this is a form of idolatry. She has allowed a disdain for one human being. She's allowed her disdain for one human being to cause her to lose herself and her identity in the desire to repeatedly communicate that disdain and that for that person and the people most aligned with that yeah, person. That's, that's, where I was, that's where I was going with that. And we see that all over and over again. So you were just saying... Uh, you just reminded us what we just talked about, about Trump lying just repeatedly. Yesterday, I let off the montage, or maybe it was two days, I let off the, the montage with uh, women in front of the Trump event in Texas saying, well, it doesn't matter what he says, I'm going to support him. That's the other side of the coin as well. Um, and and that's, that, that is why the idolatry is why over and over and over again, we fall for binary choices. Binary choices today, that is the national model, motto of the United States uh, nowadays. It's the idolatry. Either your hatred of something con- causing you to lose all— Or your all slavish fa- devotion to it. Or yeah. your slavish devotion for it. Either way, you lose all faculties, all reasoning ability, seemingly, and any ability to see reality. And guess what, guys? This is not like Steve Day show and the rest of us have some special ability to see through all of this. no. No, we all have idols in our life as well. Um, and, and so it's not, it, it, we're human. That's what we're trying to say. It's just that in this arena, in this arena, it seems like it is, it goes from one end of the spectrum to the other really, really quickly. We're a bunch of chaotic pendulums swinging this way in that without any ability to actually step back and see the charade, which is, which is what our discourse is 
um, nowadays for what it is. I have a theory as to why that is, but I know you wanted to say something, Todd. Go well, ahead. Just, this is Tower of uh, Babel stuff. Again, to reiterate, she wrote an entire book. Steve knows a little something about writing a whole book. I write columns, never wrote a book. You got it. To get through it, you know, to keep the connectivity of the ideas, have it be reasonable, uh, mm -hmm. uh, make sense on some level. She spent all that time. And here, she's just flying in the face of it. Steve, you point uh, 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 another in your recent column, Jonathan Haidt, who's been so valuable in this culture and trying to develop a better conversation. But in the face of Trump just saying, you know, there's really just a guy and a girl and we need to kind of get down with that. He said, oh, he just got the, the vapors of it. It's... It, which is all symptomatic of this culture is drunk. And I always say Twitter is an American. Talk, 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 talk. I'm a conservative. I'm a Christian. I'm all this. What are you doing? How are you living? What, do, what is the flesh on the bone? We need to shut up unless we are actually willing to turn words into actual actions that edify, that inspire, that sanctify Otherwise, we just have to go back to the word you started with. It's all a freaking lie. I think the problem is, I think media culture is the worst uh, Petri dish for this. And I think Kirsten Powers was writing books like that and making those statements when she was getting paid by Fox. And now that she's in the CNN cesspool, uh, she's, off the, she's on the Anna Navarro deep end. And, and we have numerous examples of this. Um, I... I think it's fascinating, going back to the Michael Evanetti story yesterday, it is fascinating that it was the Daily Beast and the LA Times, liberal news outlets, that exposed him. But cable news media, they made him, they had him on our screens every day. The cable news environment is sleazy, and I think it appeals to the, I think that's the worst, most infested Petri dish of this idolatry in all of our culture right now. By the way, where's the President of the United States? He's largely a byproduct of what? that same environment. All right, back here live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Welcome back here to The Steve Dace Show. Hey, if you join us via podcast and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc., if you've got time today, leave us one of those five-star reviews. They do help. The more of you that do that, the more people that end up checking us out because they think, hey, maybe the show's kind of cool. Now, if you don't like what we do, don't lie. You know, Don't make stuff up. Just maybe don't say anything, though. Kind of keep that to yourself. And if you have time even to click that subscribe button, because again, the more subscribers that do that, the more subscribers we get that see you do that. So that's the word of mouth stuff is the best way to help us spread the word about the Steve Day Show. And thank you to all of you that have done that for us already. All right, let's get to it. Let's go inside politics with our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. And you can tell he's taking the Blaze audience seriously. Daniel Horowitz is in a tie. And it looks like you might have even washed your hair, bro. Or did you just comb it you, this week? You got the full TV view here. You I know. know I'm is, impressed. That's like a real shot or something. This and is when, the bunker. When I when I looked at when I looked at the screen during the break, I'm like, hey, when you, aren't we having Daniel Horowitz on? <laughs> and then I realized that's Daniel. What's up with that? All right, so Daniel, we are less than two weeks until election day. We were talking about some of these numbers yesterday. Want to get your take on them? These are the latest numbers from Real Clear Politics. 
and you look at the battle for the House, and what I think is extraordinary is Real Clear Politics believes there's only 31 toss-up seats. Only 31. I think that speaks to the balkanization uh, in the country where even if you have a red wave or a blue wave, uh, it, they, they're just canceling out tidal waves because there's so many places that there's just not a lot of a sw- enough swing voters for you to take new ground. Here is their latest Senate map, by the way. Uh, they've got six seats still up for grabs in the Senate. They think worst case scenario is Republicans come out of this at 50-50 uh, with a, a vice president able to break the tie. So you're our big numbers guy here. And bless you, by the way, Todd. Excuse me. You're our big numbers guy here at uh, Conservative Review. Your numbers heading these last two weeks, do they jive with what Real Clear Politics has, Daniel? Why or why not? Sure. I mean, one of the things I'm seeing, just so you know, there were 31 toss-ups there. But at the same time, if you look at that lean category, there's an awful lot of seats there. And a lot of those races are close. Until recently, Democrats were up in a lot of them. So, I mean, even if Democrats only would win a few of those, it would be almost impossible for Republicans to retain the House. The Republicans really need to run the table in that entire category. I think more than ever, if you look at the race-by-race polling, the recovery of Republicans statewide in some of the states that you have, these very pale, pinkish-red, light-red districts in a blue state, I think it's conceivable that Republicans could keep the House, but I still think the over-under is somewhere around 2730 seats, for the Democrats, which would be enough to to win back the House, simply because of the sheer number of Republican seats in play. They only have about two or three Democrat seats that they're seriously uh, challenging. In addition to that, you have the number of vacancies, the mismatch of uh, fundraising, where a lot of these races, Democrats are outspending them two to one, three to one, even in the leaner, likely GOP category, much less the the toss-up category. I think in many ways this election is going to be asymmetrical in a way we've never seen before, Um, just in terms of what areas the incumbent party wins, what areas they lose. I think the outcome will likely be most similar to 1906 or 1982 for Republicans. Basically, ironically, they're going to pick up a few Senate seats. They're going to lose about 30 or so House seats. And they're going to lose about seven governorships, which is exactly what happened to Reagan in 82. Um, State legislatures, I think across the board, it's going to be one directional that Republicans are going to lose seats because they're at their high watermark. But on the other hand, I actually don't see a lot of chambers flipping. Iowa, you know, might be an opportunity there, but it looks like Republicans will probably keep the, the House and Senate there. So I think you might have a lot of cases where you have Democrat governors and Republican legislatures headed into redistricting, which is an interesting story in itself. Bottom line is, no, this is unlikely to be a blue wave in the traditional sense of a wave election. But Steve, is it, does it really take a wave for them to win back the House? And I think historically, if you look at midterms and you know, what's the average loss for the for the president's party? 25 to 30 seats. Mm-hmm. So just an average election would do it. And by the way, Steve, this notion that Republicans or that the incumbent party loses is so entrenched, especially when the president already has the House and the Senate. 
right? So, you know, they own all the blame. They own all the status quo. Really, if you go back to James Monroe, which was the end of the founding era, that was different. But starting from the 1820s on, I would argue that 1934, FDR was the only one to really pull off having all three branches headed into a midterm and not losing seats in the House. So Republicans, no matter what, you know, Trump approval, not Trump approval, whatever issue there is, that's a very enduring um, headwind that they're running into. And that was before the polarization with social media, because Steve, I would argue that you look at, um, in my view, the three midterm elections post-social media, 06, 2010, and 2014, those were three massive waves against the party in power, particularly 06 and 2010, which were against the party that had all three branches. So, you know, it wouldn't be that bad for Republicans in this era of negativity of social media having all the power and only losing 25, 30 seats. It's just that in this case, it means the House is gone. Daniel, three stories that I've, I've seen this in the last few days that I have, um, I have just found fascinating in terms of how they buck what we think uh, the, the landscape or the environment is or traditionally is. Those three stories are, one, some real analysis about how up for grabs Hispanic Latino voters are in this election, that they're not heavily energized uh, for Democrats, uh, as expected. Uh, two uh, would be uh, the NBC News story from uh, from two days ago where they did a survey of numerous states in early voting and Republicans were were surging uh, to leads in, in, in early voting. That would seem to be uh, counterintuitive. And then three, uh, all the Republicans, including guys like Ted Cruz running on we are essentially now for Medicare for all junior uh, with, we're going to cover every pre-existing condition on the planet. Um, those three things, that's not typically what you would expect to see, right? In the final two weeks of an election where you kind of think most of the die is cast, those three stories and their, and the counterintuitiveness each of them has tells you what about what's going on and what they, and, and inside where they have the best data inside the parties themselves. What do you think those, those three stories are telling us? I think it all tells us that both parties, despite the bravado from the left, um, they believe the election is extremely fluid. And what, again, what I mean by fluid is, no matter what, the Democrats will come out better. They will win. That's for sure. It's That has happened for 190 years, except for one election. I'm not counting 9-11 in 2002 and in 98, where Clinton gained a couple seats in the House, but Republicans owned the House. So, And that, believe me, the GOP House in the 90s, that was very notorious. So you know, Clinton wasn't owning the status quo fully. So it's really, I mean— the Democrats will win, and that's not even a bad thing historically for Republicans. Um, they are going to lose a bunch of governorships because of terrible recruitment. But I was shocked they- when I looked at the governor races really in depth for the first time the other night. I was shocked how bad the Republican slate of candidates across the country for governor were. Think about Ohio, Pennsylvania, yeah. and Michigan. We should at least be competitive there, yet we're losing like California-style numbers there. Scott Scott Walker is minus five in the RCP average. 
for when you count referendums and recalls, he's won like five statewide elections for governor, and he's at yeah. minus five in the polling average. That's a dreadful showing by him, Daniel. No, exactly. So, I mean, I think too many of our colleagues are not just saying they're going to win. They're already talking about a red wave. That's nonsense. The The fundamentals of Trump and Republicans really tanking among white suburban women, I think, is still a problem. But the degree of the problem and the where of the problem, this is a very tactical and technical election. It's not an across-the-board election. And, you know, all these races are very close and the little bit that's volatile is all the difference because while if you're a betting man you would have to bet that the democrats win the house because of the sheer number in play but theoretically it moves over a point or two republicans could keep the house or you know it, it, it determines you know whether they get an extra senate seat or not or how by how much they lose the house and therefore how much easier it will be to win it back two years later so i mean i think this all matters, and it matters for the narrative for Republicans, again, forgetting the fact that they don't do anything with their power, but for them to have won all three branches and then come away preserving and adding to the Senate and narrowly losing the House, historically, that is not a repudiation. And I think that's what you're seeing now. That's the bragging rights that Trump wants to come out of this election with. Todd? Well, uh, I'm stuck on your word asymmetry, Daniel. I think you're exactly right about that. Uh, and what what there will or will not be to repudiate. Let's say uh, if uh, Steve is, is right uh, about his notion of this just being a, a Democrat election in the House. Mm -hmm. you, I think you could take— The, 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 Demo the House election's happening in Democrat America Correct. and the Senate Correct. election's happening in Republican America. Well, yeah, a, a very sterile analysis by anybody could see, you know, Democrats take it by one and just say, you know, that this is just how uh, things fell. But you you, you take—the the election is ultimately a funnel that you're cramming reality into. And it, it, it could spit out that level of neutral analysis if there were just a bunch of people who just happened to—the Venn diagram is pretty healthy and we have some modest disagreements, but this is just how things broke this year. Or it could be like this year. What you're cramming into that funnel is nobody knows what a gender is anymore. There's a, a, a migrant horde coming uh, to the border. Uh what else do we got? Oh, yeah, we're we're apparently going to be bombing all, each other for the next couple of weeks. So that that analysis, while it might still be correct at the end of the day, um, Daniel's, I think, most salient point is the asymmetry uh, that, that what you do with that product afterwards is something that makes makes it meaningless who had a blue advantage tactically, who had the red advantage. That's increasingly becoming meaningless, I think. I, I, I don't even know if we can hang on to those paradigms much longer, comfort ourselves with anything like that when there's utter mayhem going on. Daniel, so if, if you agree with, if you, hold on a second, if you agree with Todd, then tell me why Republicans arguing that, uh, on wanting to debate pre-existing conditions in the last 12 days of the election. If Todd, if you agree with Todd, tell me why that's a winning argument then. I, I, I don't think the pre-existing condition thing is fundamental to the election. It's fundamental to what we believe in the day after the election. But I think if you look at – put that on the shelf for a minute. I have been watching the Senate campaign ads. Dean Heller from Nevada is a rhino in a blue state. 
Trump couldn't win it. Romney couldn't win it. Um, he loves amnesty. You listen to his ads. One ad mentioned the word conservative three times. They're running on jobs, cut regulations. He said the word limit government, even though they have a budget that they all voted for three times greater than uh, um, Obama's budget on all occasions. But again, they understand what wins. The one anomaly to that is the pre-existing condition thing, but that's just because Repo Republicans are stupid. Mm -hmm. um, they they poll test the other side's messaging. So the other side will message, um, do you think women uh, should get raped? And they'll poll test it. Do you think women should get raped? And then they, they go and run with it because they allow Democrats to isolate one component of a broader issue. So, of course, it polls well. Should we cover pre-existing conditions? Should we deport someone who served in the military? You know, it, it's it's how you frame any issue. I think it's just stu typical GOP stupidity because Democrats flooded the zone first with that. They're responding with that. Um, but I think fundamentally they're actually running as conservatives. Not that they're going to govern as conservatives, but every one of them is is um, – None of them is not a single one, including which is exactly why I think the pre-existing argument is a dumb one. You're you, you oh, lose it by same. having it. No matter it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. It's the argument the Democrat the Democrats want people vote. If you're voting on pre-existing conditions, the odds you're voting as a Republican are low, low. That's that is the conversation Democrats want to have the last twelve days. They don't really care what position Republicans take on a Daniel. They just want that to be the conversation. That's their issue. No, no, exactly. I mean, I mean, and, and this is the problem on every issue, every issue. Immigration. I wrote a whole article on how it's malpractice, what Republicans are doing. Every single state, including California, numbers USO, USA polled 26 states over a period of several months. Every single state by a super majority wants to reduce immigration by at least 25 percent. A lot of states by 50, 75 percent, much more than even Tom Cotton's bill. And as you mentioned, Steve, See, typically, we've always viewed immigration as a huge net benefit to conservatives, the conservative position, mm -hmm. meaning you'll lose slightly a few percentage on Hispanics and you'll gain massively everywhere else. Right, because it's else. the kind of issue, it doesn't matter how it polls. If you yeah. vote on immigration, you're usually voting our way. Yes. But, but now we're seeing Republicans are doing the best ever on Hispanics. It's the one demographic that's not motivated despite the perception that Trump is just like, he hates them and he wants to throw them all out. It, it completely deracinates the entire GOP premise on this issue for 15, 20 years. And, but, but, but still, Steve, if you poll in a vacuum, if someone was here forever and they're assimilated and they're Einstein and mm -hmm. they killed three Taliban with one hand, if you wanna pull the Democrat <laughs> messaging, rather than running on MS-13 right. and the diseases they bring in, yeah, you're going to win. If you want to reduce the abortion issue to rape rather than cutting up baby limbs as they're coming out and harvesting the baby organs, yes, the Democrats will pull better on it. But what I'm telling you is it's not that there's been a fundamental shift in the country on health care. If you would run ads on the premiums, on the doctors retiring early, right. on the monopolies. It's that they're arguing this, the Democratic talking point. That's why there's yeah. a shift. Yes. It, yeah. it just, so I don't think that shows the fundamentals because if you look at Dean Heller, he is not running and I will protect the dreamers. He's not running ads like that. Mm -hmm. He's saying conservative judges, cut regulations, limit government, cut taxes. You know, 
it's not everything I would want to mention, but nothing about his message, and he's the most liberal of all the candidates, nothing about it's liberal. We got we got, we got 90 seconds here, Daniel. I, I, I don't want to have to do this, but this is the world in which we live. How much are the, the bombing story, which is developing as we're doing this live here today on The Blaze, how much, depending on who, who's responsible for this, motivations, et cetera, how much does this have an impact on what happens on Election Day in a couple of weeks? Nothing, nothing. I mean, people respond for better or for worse to hordes, not to subtleties, which is why the Scalise shooting, it was too subtle, it didn't, and, and he was almost killed, that didn't uh, do anything. People respond to mobs when they see images of mobs, and that is what we saw with the Kavanaugh stuff. And that's what we are seeing now with this so-called caravan. That, I think, is watch out for that. If you want to know what's the most volatile live ball post-Kavanaugh headed into the election until something else supplants You think it's the caravan? It's a caravan. All right, Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review. He is our political analytics guy. Always good to talk to you, brother. Thanks for joining us here today on the show. Appreciate it. See you later. Take care. You guys have any quick thoughts and uh, what we just heard from Daniel before we get out of here with the first hour? Aaron, let me start with you. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, and uh, this is going to be the best analysis that you'll hear. Nothing of what uh, my seniors have said uh, up until this point. I'm just going to go out on limb here is is going to be as prescient as, as the analysis that you're about to hear because it's based on something that Daniel said. Um, uh, he, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, Republicans don't do anything with the power when they even have it. So this uh, election, again, is is meaningless. That's my analysis. Todd? Well, it's remarkable to see Daniel come as far as he has with almost a certain loss in the House. Um, yeah, and, I, and, 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 and not much has really changed, quite frankly. We are really don't understand the reality we live in. I think that's why none of us do. Hour two, coming up. Stay tuned. All right, back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We're going to get to buy, sell, or hold here in a few minutes. But you and I, Todd, were having a conversation during the top of the hour as a follow-up to the um, the uh, the dialogue we were just having with Daniel Horowitz, who's our political insider at Conservative Review that I think our, our audience probably needs to be privy to what you and I were talking about off the air. Because I, I think that if you watched the exchange that the two of us had with Daniel, um, and if we don't maybe flesh this out a little bit more, you may come to the conclusion, and we don't have a problem if you think that we disagree with each other on the show, right. if we actually disagree with each other on the show. Um, I kept bringing up the pre-existing issue, pre-existing condition issue, and why I think that's a failure of messaging. Not in spite of what you think, but because of what you think. And correct me if I'm wrong, you believe, and I agree with you, I I may not think there's as many of these people left as you do. That's where our disagreement is. Yeah, that's where our disagreement is. It's not that these people exist, we just disagree on how many may remain, okay? But you believe there's a sliver of non-ideological sanity 
existing in the American. Well, I use the term sliver. You may think it's larger than that. But you don't need that much, as you said. Right. It's right. because things are so close. Correct. You believe there's a segment of non-ideological saying, are you okay with the word segment to describe your position? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. I think it's a sliver. You think it's more of a segment, all right? You think there's a segment of the electorate that's non-ideological per se, may have some generic pro-American values, but are, are fine voting one way or the other, but they don't like the crazy train, right? Yes. And, that, and they are reachable primarily by being exposed to the crazy train and they're rebuking and backlash against it, correct? Correct. All right. I agree with you this vote exists. We may disagree on how big of the vote it is, but again, when the electorate is this balkanized and, and polarized, I'm not saying, I've not said this week the electorate is not polarized. I agree that it is. I just think it is more precise to say it is balkanized, okay? But if you put those two things together, then that sort of middling vote, I, I don't think, they're, we're not talking swing voters. You know, I think you and I both agree, swing voters, as we used to define them in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, largely don't agree, don't, don't exist in America anymore. We kind of, we probably agree on that, right? Yes. Okay. We're really talking about people that aren't swing voters. They're just, they, they are largely people driven by who's going to do what's the best thing for me, more so than an ideological bias or a, a party affiliation. That's what we're talking about, correct? Yeah. All right. And and that's why because they don't really they, they don't really have an affinity for either side per se, and that's why they are that's why there's such a rebuke and backlash against the crazy train because they view this stuff as hey if you're doing this you're serving these people who are you not serving me right mm -hmm. okay and I want this to be about me not about your crazy uh, special interests that I don't really believe in anyway okay so I agree with you these voters exist. Totally agree. I may disagree with the numbers that, that are there, but fun, the fundamental part of that, we agree. The reason I kept bringing up the pre-existing condition issue is I don't believe that's the messaging that'll reach the voters you're talking oh, and about. I totally agree with that. I, I think if, you know, it's, there are certain issues where it doesn't matter how they, and this is what Daniel was trying to explain last hour. Let's do a little mock political science here. So we, you know, we can teach the audience how to think rather than telling them what to think. There are certain issues that it doesn't matter how they generically poll. Because there may be a generic poll for that issue, but when we have the poll that matters most, which takes place when? Election On day. election day. That even though people may believe or think or feel a certain way about that issue, it's, it, it, it's what you hear, you've heard me say before. Elections are not won by winning a majority of the vote. They're won by winning a majority of the people who vote. And, and I, may, I may think climate change is a real problem, and I might buy into all the, 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 the junk science supporting it. But if it doesn't move me to vote, it doesn't matter what my opinion on the issue is. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, totally. Okay. So there are certain issues that, while they may generically poll differently than, our, than we think um, the public perception is, the reason why that exists is because when people go and vote on them, the people that tend to be energized to vote based on that issue are slanted one way. The best example is guns. You'll get all kinds of widespread polling for common sense gun reform, common sense gun control, okay? Why don't you ever get any of these common sense gun control uh, pieces of legislation? You know why? Because while there's all kinds of positive generic polling in favor of the common sense gun control, the people who are actually voting on guns tend to be much more one-sided in pro-Second Amendment. 
And so I may agree, yeah, we should have common sense gun control, but I'm not a gun owner. I don't, I'm not around a bunch of guns. I don't live in a community. I don't, I'm not really driven to the polls based on this issue. And so while the generic in a vacuum polling may favor gun control, the, when it comes to, am I going to vote on guns? The energy is almost all one-sided towards the side of the second amendment. You know what another issue is like? Immigration is that issue. And that's what Daniel was attesting to. If you ask people, yeah, let me get a Democrat push polling firm, Daily Coast public policy polling, calls you up on the phone and says, um, do you think that um, your gardener who came to this country illegally 25 years ago and had a son, and that son's now a student at the University of Texas and is getting great grades and is in the National Guard, do you think we should deport him? Because he? What's your answer going to be to that question every time? Every time it's going to be what? <laughs> Laughter. That, well, that's, by the way, how they do this. Yes, I know. That's how it's done. About 10 years ago- It's also how journalism does things, too. Uh, well, actually, about yeah. About eight years ago, after what happened with Todd Akin and Richard Murdoch in those Senate races, I was involved in a national polling project on the life issue because we wanted to see where where's the public really at on rape or incest. And what we found was early in the poll when we asked people, do you think a woman who is raped should be or, or a victim of incest- Government should force her to carry her baby to term if she doesn't want it. 70% of the people in Iowa said no way. Later on, in the same survey, same group of people, this is like a control group experiment, right? When we asked them the same question, we just framed it differently. Do you think an unborn child should be executed for the crimes of its father? 67% said no. The whole framing of the question determined what answer we got. All right, and so... That's what that that's why when they frame the question that way, what are it probably almost 90% of us gonna say? Well, of course not. Right? When the question is framed, do you think someone should get access to welfare state benefits who's in the country illegally? What do you think the percentage on that question is gonna be? Gonna go our way, right? But the issue with immigration, here's the thing. The, the those that are voting on immigration, well, immigration tends to pull well in general in a vacuum for Democrats. When it drives people to the polls to vote, it disproportionately is people on our side of the issue. And so that's why, you know, I love data. But, you know, there's a saying we have in the sports world, there ain't no argument that scoreboard doesn't win. And so I can quote you. I've got, you know, I've got nearly a photographic memory that the Lord gave me. I, I could quote you decades of poll data right now. Let me tell you, though, you know what the greatest poll of them all is? Election day, baby. And when people are asked to vote on guns and they're asked to vote on immigration, when they're driven to the polls by that issue, they vote our way far more than the other side. Now, healthcare is the opposite, okay? There's all kinds of generic good polling for us on, do you want health insurance to be portable? You know, I mean, should you be able to take it with you when you leave a job or move to another state? You know, right? Do you want free market health care? Those things, for us, generically poll great. But when the argument gets down to specifics, do you want to be on your own for your own health care? You know what happens? We get crushed. We get crushed. And, and so that's... And so what you're going to say to me right now is, Steve, that's exactly why these Republicans... I've got to assure these voters that they're not for getting rid of pre-existing conditions. You're wrong. Here's why. And I understand. I, it, 
There's a reason why you think that. I get that, okay? I'm trying to tell you, though, that this is algebra and not your times tables. The math is more complicated now, okay? We're not doing three times three is nine. We're doing A plus B equals C. This is more complicated math. Because if I'm going to the polls voting on who's going to protect my pre-existing conditions, that energy is all on the left side. We're gonna, the fact that the argument is being had means we've lost, when, the, when, a, when an election is on immigration and gun control, I can promise you Republicans are going to do well. And it almost doesn't even matter how bad their candidates are. That's what Daniel was talking about. Dean Heller's awful rhino. Not even a Republican, total, complete rhino, Lindsey Graham-esque liberty score. Terrible. Okay? But what's his messaging look like? He's not, he's not running on that messaging right now. This is why I got on our Republican governor for running ads about her Democratic opponent making money and, and, and laying people off when they, he couldn't afford their jobs. The people who are going to be moved by that messaging are going to vote for the Democrat, not for you. And so you're, you're injecting into the ether, you're, you're injecting into the jet stream and into the bloodstream, the other side's narcotic. You want to sell them your drug, Huey Lewis, you want a new drug. You want, them to, you, want them, you want them to shoot up with what you're offering, the opioid that you're, that, you're, that you're pimping to them. And if you're talking about pre-existing conditions, that's the other side's argument. Like, we don't, we would love, we would, we, the Republicans, I, I, forgive me for saying we old habits, die hard. I know. The Republicans would love it, love it. If, if when we got out of, when, when the exit polling in 2018 showed the number one issue people voted on, before we even called racist, before the, before the polls were even closed, we even did the House count and the Senate count. If the exit polling showed the number one and two issues people th- were, went and voted on was gun control and immigration. Right. They know they won. They're, they're, we're just going to, we, we frame the electorate because it ain't about winning a majority of the vote. It's winning about a, winning a majority of those who actually vote. And if the majority of people who are voting are voting on guns and immigration, the Republicans are going to win, guys, period. And if the majority of people who are voting are voting on not health care, that was the Obamacare argument, but pre-existing conditions, which was the whole, which was one of the main justifications for Obamacare in the first place. Like when we came into the studio the night of the 2012 election and I looked at the exit polling and it showed about 60% of Americans blamed George W. Bush for the stagnant growth in the economy and not Barack Obama. I looked at my staff that night. You guys weren't working here yet. I looked at Rebecca and Jen that night and said, Romney lost. We're just going to see here and count votes the rest of the night. He lost. Because if that's what the majority of the electorate was thinking, then Obama framed the electorate in his favor. And this is where having somebody with a bully pulpit like Trump can actually help Republicans get off the, the yes. health care messaging. Yes. But instead he's tweeting, um, yeah, we're going to cover pre-existing conditions. Because, I mean, I'm going to ask you this, but I assume the, re- the, the way that you uh, frame the election is by just not talking about that, which you can't even Yes, Yes, that's and- exactly right. I've, I think I talked about this uh, before we started with the blaze. When I was doing strategy calls with the Cruz campaign, right? And when the conversation was, you know, the Jeb Bush people brought us oppo research on, on Rubio being pro cap and trade. And they wanted us to use it because we were in a we were in a urination contest at the time with Rubio over immigration, and they wanted us to use it because they didn't want to have to get the, get their hands dirty. And so we sat around the senior staff in the Cruz campaign at a conference call and discussed whether we should present this to Ted or not as a as a strategy because Ted was going to ultimately make the call. He makes those calls, 
she's not a passive candidate. And so we were going to, whether we were going to agree as a, as a leadership strategy team to go to Ted and suggest we adopt this messaging. And I was adamantly against it. Even though we were taking some heat right now from Rubio and immigration, the argument I made was this one. Rubio cannot win an immigration argument. So even, even if he's punching us right now and he's drawing blood, he can't, if, he can't win that fight because every time the issue of immigration comes up, the first thing, and Marco Rubio's name comes up, what's the first thing everybody thinks King of? of yep, yep. Trump card, pardon the pun. He can't ever overcome it. Now, likewise, a few weeks later, when Trump is hitting us on the uh, natural-born citizen card, I was like, uh, get off this. Danger will rot. Stop. T- Even if we have the right argument, we're going to lose. Okay, because he's appealing to a conspiratorial Alex Jones-esque base out there. And that messaging drives those people to the polls. We don't want those people showing up to the polls because if those people show up to the polls, I think they're voting for Ted Cruz. No, nah, man, his, 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 uh, his dad killed Kennedy and uh, uh, he's an illegal alien uh, who doesn't pass the Millard Fillmore citizenship of natural born test, right? Yes. So if you're voting on natural born citizenship, you're voting for Ted Cruz or, or Donald Trump, do you think? And I know people are going to say to me, well, Steve, by Trump's own definition, he wasn't a natural born citizen because his mom was built, born in Scotland. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The argument is a, was a loser for us every time it came up. And so we needed to change the subject. If the, if the argument in the last 12 days of this election is about who will do a better job of protecting pre-existing conditions, I promise you, promise, promise. Like I promised you that none of those judges that were on the Heritage Foundation list in May of 2016 were ever going to get confirmed to the Supreme Court. And we've had two Supreme Court openings and they've been filled by two people who were not on that Heritage Foundation list. And y'all got mad at me when I said that. Remember when everybody got mad at me for saying that? And I said, they're never getting on that court, guys. And so far, I'm two for two. Maybe that'll change with the next one. We'll see. But I'm, I promise you again, if the number one issue in the exit polling on Election Day 2018 is... It involves pre-existing conditions because really that's what healthcare is now. Since the argument of healthcare is not freeing us from Obamacare like it was in 2010, 2012, and 2014 or 2016, the argument of healthcare now means covering stuff from government. Yep. And so if healthcare is the number one issue, the house is gone. I promise it's gone. House is gone. I agree. You, there's two different things. If if the polling indicates that, you're absolutely right. But if the messaging for the next two weeks for whatever, this is what I mean by Republicans can win in spite of themselves. They they may very well do this, they'll do this badly. But if there's this din going around them of the cultural chaos that we have that is way more on people's minds, I just, there's an unless to what you're you saying. Have, but you have to bring them to the, you have to, mind share is market share. You can't, you know, it's funny. I just got a, I just got a DM from Daniel. Uh, who was listening to us. And he said, you know, I, I should have said to you guys that the pre-existing ads from the GOP are this year's I'm Not a Witch. Remember when the gal in Delaware yeah. ran the ad, said I'm not a witch, and I, I, she lost the minute that ad ran? Okay. You're right, but I can't build a business off people who of their own volition will walk into my store, I, I, onto I my lot. I have to create a campaign or a message that people who previously weren't aware I existed or were contemplating other issues or other options will then say, you know what, maybe I need to try that one. And the, the, the messaging that Daniel said Dean Heller is using in Nevada, that's a state where Trump got beaten pretty soundly there. And now I read a story just after we got off the air yesterday, I was reading a story about how Democrats are so concerned now about losing Nevada. They're bringing Joe Biden in. 
Well, what's the messaging that has done that, that has reached this common sense, I'm not an ideological audience, I don't care about either side. What's the messaging Dean Heller tapped into in order to plug into the, the, the segment of electorate you're talking about? What did he use? What, what's the conservative? What, he, he, immigration is the issue that's being discussed. But what came this? So here we are. This is this is a classic. What came first, chicken or the egg? Right, argument is right. it? Is it the issues that are driving it, or or, or or are we being manipulated by campaigns and being manipulated? That you can do that in a good way too. Sure. Yeah. What, how you emphasize, what you emphasize, when you emphasize. I'm simply saying I think the circumstances now are getting beyond what many politicians feel that they can manipulate, and that's what a lot of voters are going to be tapping into. And, I agree with that. Too. But remember, Trump even even no one has a bigger persona, and I doubt we will ever see anything like this again in our lifetimes. Pray not. The combination of, of the bigger persona than Trump, because he was already a world world renowned star. He was already a force of nature, and then they added the largest bully pulpit on planet Earth to what was already one of the biggest personas on the globe. Okay, so we'll never have a bigger, more dominating pers- persona unless. A little, unless we are talking like Book of Revelation kind of stuff, we're just never organically going to produce somebody with a bigger persona than him because of, of the unique circumstances that he brought to the table. Even with those, though, Todd, he still needed an issue. And when he tried to make the issue Jiner's uh, 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 trade practices, we were at, you went to these events with me. What did people do? Yeah, no, I know. When he started talking about and we're going to build a wall, what did the people do? And make Mexico pay for it. Yeah. Even Trump, with the power of his persona to reach these kinds of no. voters you're talking about in ways that the Dean Hellers or the Kim Reynolds in our state of, of, of the world couldn't never, could, would, would need billions of dollars raised to reach those people. Even Trump needed an issue to close the sale. Even he and and not and he needed an affirmative issue. He needed an affirmative issue to close the sale. Republicans have have the affirmative issues to do what you want them to do. Pre-existing conditions isn't going to be one of them. I, I agree, but he, I don't think he was talking about pre-existing conditions at the rally in Texas. And if he really is going to do yeah. uh, these twenty coming up, uh, my money is that it's going to be on cultural stuff that he red meat that he doesn't necessarily believe, but he's yep. shameless enough to throw out there. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So the answer to your question, chicken or the egg, and the answer is yeah. I know. Yeah. The answer is yes. You need them both. Now, this is what you and I talked about earlier this year for our Blaze audience that's new to this internal. Uh, conversation slash argument Todd and I've had for several months is the one caveat to whoever's dumbest last loses is if one team just leaves the field and stops playing. And in June, July, August, it looked like the Republicans were going to, they were done. They, they caved on Kavanaugh, meaning that he was the cave. Nominating him was the cave. They, they punted on every potential fight to avoid these conference to avoid the very confrontations that would reach the voters you're describing they they punted them all away they literally left the field they were down but it was only like by a touchdown and there was plenty of time on the clock to win and they walked away like with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter and pretended they were down by 21 points and left the field right how many how many times do we do that show this past summer how many times too many now but then the democrats said you guys can't leave the field yet 
we demand you play. And that's we're so we're gonna we're going to ham fistedly try and in the most sleazy fashion possible, we're going to try and character assassinate uh one of your guys, Brett Kavanaugh, right in front of you, forcing yeah. you to come back and play the game, right? And that's what happens with the migrant horde. And that can yes. even what happened with uh, like I said, we we are not gonna get way out ahead of this story, but if uh if this if this is some nut job uh vaguely connected to the right wing that uh, that is responsible for this bomb stuff and then the left overreaches and tries to make everybody who's ever voted republican somebody who wants to uh, kill people in the streets that's the world we're living in yes yeah you're right that that part you've been right about the entire time and you just said it again a second ago when you said republicans can win in spite of themselves you're exactly right because the number one the number one reason the republican base has has been has had an enthusiasm gap this entire time is because they didn't keep their promises. Yes. Yep. They gave us a temporary tax cut and they didn't defund Planned Parenthood. They didn't repeal Obamacare. They didn't build a wall. They didn't get us out of endless Middle East war. All right. Preach. They, they, didn't, they didn't keep any of their existential promises except for the judges. All that's, right. That's gospel truth. Uh, except for the judges, they kept none of their other fundamental promises. And so one side is, 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 is lit max because they're, they're at spinal tap because of the polarization. And then the other side is has been doused with, uh, with water uh, because by its, own, by its own caretakers, by its own fire sh- shamans have decided, we don't, want, we don't want the fire dance. We're going to stop the fire dance. Well, the other side over here, because they're a cult, came along and said... Uh, Light it up. Yeah, we gotta, <laughs> yeah exactly. And so, so the, that's why I said the Kavanaugh thing could have been this year's Comey letter if it would have happened three weeks later. So the Kavanaugh thing seems like it was like two months ago now, I doesn't know. it? I know. So now the question becomes, could this marauding caravan, and that's what Daniel said, could it be the next Cav- could it be the next Comey letter? Yes. I agree with you that, to use again the, the phrase, the fundamentals, the fundamentals do provide an opening for Republicans to keep the House that I didn't believe existed a few months ago. Now, I, I still think it, it's an inside straight, straight draw, all right? Because there's so many, so many of these swing seats are in Illinois, California, Pennsylvania. Okay, um, not the friendliest of territory typically for Republicans. But um, I would have said five percent, ten percent a month or two ago. I, I don't, I'm, I'm I think it's higher than the fifteen percent Nate Silver says. But I don't think it's great. Great. I might say twenty five percent. But that one in four chance is a hell of a lot better than I would yep. have given Republicans three or four months ago. And it's because of nothing they've done. Nothing. It's yeah. all because of what you've described. Right. Of, of what, well, who the, it's because of who the Democrats see, are. See, we do. We totally agreed. We just yeah. needed to clarify. Now, I, just, I, 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 I may not think that, that there's enough of the sanity left in the culture that you may think there is. There's my it's total because, depravity guy right because there. Todd's, there a, Todd's a poly. Love that guy. <laughs> maybe we actually were, maybe we've not been having a political argument all this year. Maybe it's just been Luther and Erasmus and just found a new, a new place to have the same argument they've been having for the last 500 years. I'm totally down. But, Human nature's done. And you're like, well, I don't know. But, maybe there's a there's a little humanism still left. But out sometimes there. it gets really weird in a way. Like you're Erasmus and I'm Luther, and like, hey, what's going on <laughs> yes, here? Yes, yes. You're like that Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. You know. Yes. So basically, what we're saying is, the next two weeks are about whether or not the Democrats have one last jolt of unadulterated, unfiltered craziness that reaches a segment 
of the of the voting public that the Republicans have gone out of their way to alienate. Is that essentially what this comes down I, yeah, to? Yeah, I feel like we're we are on one of the two boats in um, Batman: um, uh, The Dark Knight. Really, and the joke. This is just and the Republicans are the joker. Yeah, yeah. This we're on one of those two boats, and we're going to see if somebody, you know, if like the thief who's in there for like double murder suddenly says, "Hey, guys." Anybody want to wake up? This is a little nuts. Mm. What do you think of this, Aaron? I think it's. Um, I, I think the answer to the question that you just uh, posed is absolutely yes, because that's who the left is, and they can't help them stop the, them themselves. Can't stop, won't stop. So of course they will have another jolt of crazy. It's just, it's going to be. I mean, is is this going to be? What kind of crazy is this going to be? Is this going to be the mob type of crazy, or is it going to be subtle crazy like Daniel talked about? about 45 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the question. And again, who knows what... Who, I, I'll bring up what I brought up yesterday on the roundtable with Chris Pandolfo. This marauding caravan of illegal immigrants, some of which could be from the Middle East, or at, at least if our State Department, some somebody from our State Department is to be believed, there are people there from um, different countries than, than, than Central American countries. Um, that can help... That can help Republicans hope hopes if the Trump administration actually handles this the way it needs to be handled. If they end up punting and just saying, well, it's the Democrats' fault that we let all these people in our country. If, that's, if that ends up happening, that's going to dep- depress the, the turnout for their own side. They have, to, they have to recognize that. They have to. I mean, this is, a, this is a crisis. There's no doubt about that. In the real world, this is real. This is really happening, this caravan. But at the, at the same time, they would be fools not to use this and the timing uh, uh, of this caravan to their advantage. And I just don't have any faith in the Republicans or really this administration to do that because Trump is out there talking about pre-existing conditions. There is no iota of actual real-world knowledge about how these types of issues play out with your average voter. And for all the reasons that you just laid out about not being able to get voters um, who are going, who are driven by healthcare, who are driven by, um, like in in our state's case, you know, Kim Reynolds calling Fred Hubble. Those are the two candidates for governor, calling him just a, a rich businessman who who essentially doesn't care about uh, your money, just his. The, the the people who are going to be turned on to that messaging are never going to be voting mm-hmm. for somebody with an R after their name. My my contention is the people in the Republican Party in mass don't understand that. And I think we keep seeing that over and over and over again. Dean Heller is just I think Dean Heller is just like any other Republican rhino, what have you. He is going to go to conservatism as a last ditch attempt. And I think that's what we're going to see. They 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 will not lead with that. And I think that's just proof of it. Because they are driven more by what their pollsters and what their consultants tell them than what actually than what what they actually could be um could be gleaning from real world analysis which is what you just gave were you the one that said the power of trump's bully pulpit Aaron, yes could see that's an advantage they do have that his bully pulpit and his presence is so powerful and strong that's why a lot of what happens with trump this is the double it's like watching the book of james double-minded man unstable in all his ways play out in real time every day with him and so, you know, if he walks into the West Wing into, into Javanka's office and listens to them, he's going to keep tweeting about pre-existing conditions because they're a bunch of progressives. If he walks into Stephen Miller's office or Hogan Gidley's office or Stephen Moore's office, he's going to get on the right message. Okay? So as bad as some of these Republican campaigns' messages might be right now by talking about pre-existing conditions because at their last Kenny Bunkport uh, or Martha's Vineyard uh, retreat, the consultants told them to, 
If Trump just jumped on Twitter and went and did 15 rallies and just stuck on the immigration and caravan issue, that would be the that would that would be the number yeah. one issue in the campaign. So he does have the power to to alter this narrative, but you know, sometimes he's like herding cats when you try to get him on message at the exact same time. All right, buy seller hold coming up next. Stay tuned. Let's play. It's called Buy, Sell, or Hold. We play it each week here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. Our producer, Aaron, will come up with a series of provocative statements on a plethora of topics, mainly ones that he'll just take from you doing his work for him. Todd and I will then decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Hopefully we have at least one good hot takey and reason why. If we find that your proposition is so lame it doesn't dignify a response, we are permitted once per week to call for a hold. But if we use it for any other reason, you will be mercilessly mocked according to the dude code, which demands you take a stand when called to do so. You guys ready to play? Go. Let's go. All right, Aaron, you're up. Thank you much. Uh, by the way, yes, I am lazy. That is the mere, that's, that's the American way. That's the American way, doing more or less work for more money. America. Uh, this one, uh, first one comes from Constantinos Roditis, who, by is. the way, um, sponsors but does not fund this segment. Uh, of the Steve Day Show. If you were doing a top 10 instead of a top 5 horror movie review from a conservative perspective, you would have to include The Purge because of its accurate portrayal of total depravity. Uh, I see where he's going on that. Um, I'm going to sell, though. I did see the first couple of Purge movies. The first one tries to do what uh, Mr. Uh, Roditis said, says there tries to make a profound statement and then it just it devolves at the end into a gorathon and it it loses its uh, its ability of, of, to do social commentary it's a little bit like um um who am i thinking of sasha barra cohen's movie from uh, the early borat. 2000s borat there are moments that borat has insanely insightful social commentary like when he's heartbroken laying down on the on the asphalt in front of the christian church on a Sunday morning, he slept there overnight, and people are just walking by him and over him on their way into church, not bothering to ask him if he's okay, right? I mean, there are moments where the social commentary is brilliant. It's so good, you wouldn't even be able to do it nowadays. Yes, but the, but the problem is he just can't restrain his nature. Yep. And then there's just moments where, it, and it's not even crudity for the making of a point, it's just, it's profane. On a, vile. On, a, on, a, on a vile, profane, on a basic level. And he, and, it, and he trips over his own messaging. The Purge does that as well. Um, we went and saw the, the, the Purge election year a couple of years ago in theaters. My wife and I did. And I even wrote a column about this movie because the whole film tries to make a political statement and blame conservatives and everything else. And yet, uh, and if it weren't for private gun ownership, all these people would be dead. <laughs> You know what I'm I mean, if it, if, it, if it weren't for the things that conservatives are actually fighting for, all of the, uh, the, the non-white people we, we allegedly hate, according to the movie, would all be dead. They'd have no chance up against the system, okay? So I'm going to sell, but, but it's not because I think that he, you're not on the right wavelength. It's because you're giving them more credit than they deserve. I, 
I unless I can bring up some healthy devil's advocate question when it's your genre and your genre alone, I will simply cater to your wisdom and sell. True story. When Amy and I went and saw The Purge election year in the theater, the ham-fisted, it, it was like if the comment section at Vox was permitted to write a movie script. It was so ham-fistedly bad. We're sitting in the theater. I was spontaneously belly laughing out loud numerous times. And like I was the only one in the theater laughing and I couldn't contain myself. I am like laughing out loud in the middle of the movie because that's how, that's how bad it was. All right, uh, next one is from Ben Carstens. After the box office success of a nefarious plot, Steve is commissioned to write the screenplay Dude Code Zero, <laughs> a tale of a Midwest millennial struggling to maintain his man card hey, while refusing to watch hey a there. movie Rudy and simultaneously starting an Al Stewart band. That's a random death. Bye. So random. And I don't think any further commentary is required, Todd. Second. All right. uh, Next one is from Gene. Jim Jordan is the next GOP speaker slash majority leader. Sell. 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 Again, rule number one of the Republican Party guys is what? Screw conservatives. Rule number two is? See you rule number one. Yeah, yeah. Over his dead. They will do things to stop him from being speaker they would never do to Nancy Pelosi if she was speaker. No way. Yeah, you hear us like race to the microphone. So, so, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, McConnell, well, Stevie's in the Senate. Yes. If you got Jim Jordan as speaker, you know what kind of votes McConnell's going to have to take in the Senate? All the ones he doesn't want to have to take. Okay. All the ones he doesn't want to have to take, he's going to have to take. No way. Nope. All right. Next one is from When Howitzers Fly, the Trump administration actually prevents the incoming immigrant caravan from entering the United States. So, so. Well, def- well, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Define prevent. Do we, do we mean like they come over the border and they put them in a temporary staging area so they can be screened? Would we call that prevention? Um, um, let's take it literally, like he says it there, prevent them from entering. Okay, which means States. that they never, they don't cross the Rio Grande. Correct. Sell. Easily sell. Yep. Yeah. I'm really trying. If trying. you give me some half-assed definition of prevent... Like they're, you know, 100 yards past the border and they create some mini Guantanamo to detain them. You know, something like that. Right. Okay. And then and then a bunch of conservative media spins it as, Trump stood up to the caravan, you know, last set of Krypton. And then- Stopped and, him with cold right in their tracks. And then the mainstream media will find like one person who, I don't know, uh, cut themselves on a cactus and say that the <laughs> conditions at Guantanamo- Yes, or inhumane, yes. Inhumane, yeah. If, that, if that's how we're defining prevent, then I'll buy, Okay. But if we're taking the actual definition of the word prevent to mean that no one steps a foot in U.S. territory, total sell. Yeah, sell. All right. uh, The next one is from Your Tribalism Sucks, which, by the way, if you're going to have an anonymous Twitter account, that's a great one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes will win the NFL MVP. I think he's so far out ahead right now, I'm going to buy. I mean, I I think they'd have to totally tank at the end of the year. Bye. 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 All yeah. right. Uh, next one is from I Heart Tribalism. Another great anonymous <laughs> name, although he puts his actual yeah. name at the bottom, yeah. but I love that. Yeah. Unless, Mich- yeah. <laughs> Unless Michigan wins out with Ohio State's loss to Purdue, the Big Ten will be left out of the playoff in favor of a one-loss Texas slash Oklahoma Big 12 champion. Even then, with the media behind Notre Dame, it's going to be close. Uh, I'll sell. I don't think there's any chance a one-loss Big Ten champion is ever left out of the playoff, period. Really? Ever. Ever. Even no. Iowa. Um, 
even Iowa. Because on the way there, I don't look at all the games. Iowa, Iowa's non-conference schedule is actually pretty strong. There, I don't think you will ever, ever see a day that a one-loss Big Ten champion um, is left out of the playoff ever. I, I'll disagree with that general statement. Just because of Re- Iowa. Regarding, well, it could be any number of teams, but regarding the specificity of this that you've obviously played out way more in your head, I can't disagree with the specifics of this year. But generally, I can envision a, a scenario where a one team is lost based on the other players. All right. Matt Wells says Iowa will have a Democrat governor elect in two weeks. Bye. I will buy. Yeah, I will buy. Oh. I'll narrowly sell, not because you haven't been right about what a mediocre campaign she's been running, uh, but she's a she. And I think Iowans are kind of digging on that on some level, just like Obama largely was reelected. Well, partially was reelected because people were digging on that and didn't want to sell um, out uh, their his place of providence as the first black president. I think narrowly, narrowly she pulls it off. Rocco says the army gets deployed to the border, shots will be fired, and the UN gets involved on U.S. soil for the first time ever. So, so, so I don't again. That would that would require us to buy the previous proposition on this question, and since not none of us do, so yep. they're going to get they're going to be allowed in. Then they'll yeah. just be detained once they cross the border. We've talked about this. The the closest thing to somebody showing actual. Uh, historical levels of manhood on this kind of thing um, has been Lindsey Graham because there's just such a void of him stepping in and showing what you do in a moment. And he was like, hey, come on in, guys. Full DACA. Yeah, so, at least he's yeah. honest. I mean, All what right. you said, Aaron, is exactly right. You, you nailed it. You know, he, they're going to allow him in and then they'll build some makeshift compound to hold them. Conservative media will blow out of proportion, you know, Trump's uh, sperm count for standing up to these guys. And then the mainstream media will come along and act like he's treated him totally inhumanely, even though he let him into the country. And then that, that's just, exactly and, what's going to happen. And then they'll, they won't we'll take it one step further. They'll be held there until we all forget about it and then released. Yes. That's how this works. By the way, anybody, did works. we get justice for those poor women in Alabama that Roy Moore terrorized? Did we know? Has that happened yet? Who? And, and, what about poor Dr. Ford? I mean, are we getting justice for her? What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly, Willis. Next one, Tainted Platypus says by 2024, federal slash military officials will have to put down a full-scale insurrection in a majority city, possibly Portland. Or, or a major, major, major city. city. Yeah, buy. I'll buy. Yep, yeah, I'll, I'll buy, buy that as well. That I will buy. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, Nick says, Christian conservative teachers like me should not abandon the public school arena. Totally buy. I would define what's abandoned me. I would say uh, abandon, like just walk away from. Now, I will say this. I will put this caveat out there. If there's something that causes you, if you want to keep teaching to abandon your values, then of course you abandon the the teaching. If you, if you can't stay true to your your values and your core principles, but uh, don't don't just walk away for the sake of walking away. I, I don't think you're allowed to abandon a mission no. field, but I don't think you use your children as missionaries either. So define for me what Christian. abandon means. That's why I asked that. Conservative teachers like me. That's what he said. So I'm thinking... Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I misread that then because it's only right in front of my face and reading is fundamental the more you know. So then, yeah. Okay, I would agree. If, if you... Well, nah, let me think. Are you being a Christian teacher while you're there? There you go. I mean, are you, I mean, are, are you, are you doing... Um, are you opening up your earth science book? And let me teach you how you guys randomly evolved here over... 
millions and millions of years. And tonight I'm going to go to okay. Bible study. Yeah, I mean, if you're conforming to the thoughts and patterns of this world, then yes, you should abandon the mission field because that's not one. That's not a mission field. It's a job. If you're treating it like a mission field, then then by all means don't abandon it. But if you're conforming to the system, then you're not, real, you know, that's, that's, that's confirmation. That's conforming. That's not transforming. Buy this is easy for me. And for both those, say, well, that's easy for you to say, Steve. You're right. I mean, I, what's the name of the industry I'm in? It's called broad, broadcast, broadcasting. I think you got it. Broadcasting. Yeah, which means I have to. The first word there would be narrow. <laughs> and therefore, the expectation of those who employ me is I would reach what kind of an audience? A More one? rather than less. More rather broad. than less. Yeah. So actually, it's not easy for me to say. I'm only simply suggesting. People follow the example we're trying to set here. I'm I'm happy making things hip, chic, cool, uh, new wave, you know, pop culture because I'm kind of that way anyway as a dude. But if it's at the expense of what I believe in, my answer to you is always going to be no. And if that means we all lose our jobs, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I'll just go do something else for a living, period. Next one, Chuck Gregory says, Michigan, a state with notoriously horrible polling during presidential primaries of 2016, Bernie upset Hillary after being down 10 to 15 points in most polls, produces upset of this election season with John James defeating Debbie Stabenow. So. I see where he's go- I see how he's working it, though. Okay? And I think it's... I mean, if, if I have to make a flat line call, I will sell. But I think this is more possible, particularly if Trump decided he wanted to live in this state for the last 11 days. Yeah. Okay, if he wanted to live in this state for the last 11 days and, and essentially t- said to John James, you just go out there and be the veteran, uh, happy, the happy warrior decorated veteran. I'm going to troll the poop out of her. All right? And I'm going to, and that way... I'm going to take all the collateral damage of negatives for going negative on her while we drive up her negatives for you. Uh, I, I think that could actually work. I don't think this is far-fetched at all. Um, I, I wouldn't, I guess if I have to make a flat line, like I guess if this was the point spread, if you're telling me Steve Debbie Stabenow is favored by seven, I, I'll, I think John James keep it closer to that. Yeah. Now, if you're telling me I got to play John James in the money line, I, I think it's possible but since it's a money line bet, I'll sell. But I think this is actually a, a plausible scenario. Uh, I'll buy because I'm confident something like this is going to happen, regardless if it's in this one or not. And since this one is on the table and I'm hearing his name around a lot, um, I'll go with it. All right. Next one. Lies! Exclamation point. Media says, sell everything. The end is near. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to sell. Bye. That's not- the, the end has kind of always been near, yeah. and yet at the same time, not. You know, so um, um, to live today like it's the last day or the next in in ten thousand more days. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in our Bible, but abandon all hope. He who enter here isn't one of. It's them. not in there. No, no. Well, is are you sure it's not right next to? Where Did it he says really the, say, Steve? Are you sure, it's not right next to where it says the Lord helps those who help themselves. <laughs> is, isn't it right after? Many that? hands make light work. Is you know that's right yes. after that verse. It's all in the Joel Osteen hidden. Chapter somewhere. Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, next one, John Kitt says, there's just something about blue states that make them suck at college football. Well, 
Let's think. Uh, and we don't mean we don't mean swing states that can go blue like a Florida, California, true instantly blue yeah. states. Kind of throws that out. Yeah, that, thank you. Never mind. So, California. Well, how many how many football I mean, teams there are actually good right now? Fresno State's really good. Oh. You see, USC's has, has a rebellion. Why did yeah. I ask that question to the college football? Yeah. yeah, Stanford's I, I, been all right. Yeah, um, Todd is correct. That so. All right. Uh, let's see. This one is from Washington. Ordinary Oregon. Steve. Washington's another blue state, yeah. And Washington and Washington State are both good, yes. Mm. Trump and yeah. Hannity stumping for Cruz made a lot of people in both camps throw up in their mouths a little bit. <laughs> Bye. More than a little. I, I, I wish this wouldn't have come up, man. I, I have gone out of my way to not comment on this because this is, this is very true. I, I, speaking for myself, I'm uncomfortable with it. I understand it. I've worked in campaigns. I understand it. Okay. So this isn't a purist argument for me in terms of virtue. Um, I get it. This is more personal for me as someone who knows both parties involved, particularly one side of it, much better than the other. Um, Bye. I I was very uncomfortable with it. That's why I avoided commenting on it until Aaron just shocked. Yeah, it just uh, punked me by throwing this. I'm, I'm here for you. My face, so I had to discuss it live on the air. The, the photo capture that is going around of the handshake. Yeah, I'm trying not to. Head, Ted's head is, it just captures the right, Ted's head is actually bowed. It, it, it's miserable. Uh, so you're buying that, Todd. I am. Aaron, you've never been more fired than you are right now. Yeah, I am buying For asking, for letting that it's get on It's been a while since I've been fired. Forcing me to comment on so that. So I, I always get, <laughs> I get more nervous hey, when you haven't fired me for a while. When I am clearly trying to duck an issue, by all means, please Read the tea leaves and play along. Okay, yeah. thank oh, you. Yeah, that's uh-huh. one of your primary job descriptions around here. Uh, right? Dear mom, guess what Steve <laughs> said today? Uh, one more from Todd Saffel, uh, not up on the screen. He says, uh, within the next five years, a state will outlaw homeschooling under the guise of protecting children. Bye. 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 <laughs> Another race. California in 2019. <laughs> yes. California 2019. That's next year, right? Next year. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. All right. So let's have, so we got a few minutes left. Some final thoughts. What did we learn today? Todd, I'll start with you. What'd you learn? Uh, well, uh, I think we learned, uh, along with hopefully our blaze audience, uh, that we don't do blind, uh, talking points here and, uh, shilling on behalf of one another. That was a really good, uh, uh, conversation that all of us uh, had today with Daniel was uh, with us as well. Uh, we, we always, always just agree on the the uh, the fundamentals, the close hand stuff. But you know, in in this really crazy, murky, utterly insane uh, playing field that we have right now, how those how those fundamentals carry out when they're going to carry out if they're going to carry out we need to have these you know say out loud the stuff that is uncertain is a little nuts um and that's not new uh, to this show we, we we do that all the time steve likes to say um and he pulls it straight from scripture iron sharpens iron iron and that's one of the coolest things about working on this show you know he puts us in this chairs and we get to play uh, devil's advocate we get to disagree it's fun Aaron? Yeah, uh, one specific thing from the Daniel Horowitz uh, conversation. I don't say this, that I'm rooting for the GOP. Everybody should know that by by now. That was kind of my takeaway after the show. But the, the, the fact, the historical perspective about what happens in midterms elect, elections 
If this is just kind of a, a small wave or a ripple for Democrats, that actually counts as a win for Republicans. And along the lines of the, the, the conversation that you and, and Todd had, it's in, in, in spite of themselves. We're going to talk more about that in the CRTV roundtable today for our CRTV subscribers. What happens if Democrats have a House majority? Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.